Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat. I'm Michael, that's Mindy on the other side. Oh, keeping it short? Please. Yes, well that's what we decided. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I trip over shit. Plus, it's been four years now. You guys are probably used to this by now. So, um, this episode didn't go the direction we thought it would in any way whatsoever. Literally started off with two movies and... <laughs> And then this, we're ending it with two totally different movies. Um, to tell you, uh, the two movies we were going to do was Distant Thunder and uh, Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. And then it turned into, I was like, oh, Distant Thunder's really fucking dark. Let's probably not do that. Then it turned to a road trip movie <laughs> with that and The Wizard. And then you didn't really care for Crossroads so much. So we turned it into a Jenny Lewis double feature. <laughs> That's like such a 180. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this since I'll never I'll probably never discuss it yeah. with anybody else. What what did you not like about Crossroads? Just not your kind of movie? Um it was just I, I don't know. It was just it was dark. Uh to me. Uh, it, I had a hard time I guess seeing those actors in those roles. I'm not sure they were entirely believable. I'm not saying their acting was bad per se. I think it was just like a stretch. And then it kind of didn't, I mean, I think I'm a, a smart person and I realize I should probably be able to figure this out, but like, what was this movie even about? And um, like, it was like a, a mix of reality and then not reality. I was really kind of confused. Well, it's, it's, that I say that. It's all based on the urban legend of the crossroads where you go down and right. make a deal with yeah. So they've read, read song, uh, made songs about it. And Walter Hill is a big blues, uh, southern kind of rock guy, and then he just wanted to tell this tale. And the only way he could get a greenlit was with Ralph Macchio or, or some other hot actor at the time. But Ralph was the one that said yes. And I am I, I listened to his biography, and he learned how to play the guitar. He does all of that stuff. Do I feel like it was a little special? Yeah, it's a little sped up at the end. I can tell. There's no way on God's green earth he was that fast. If he if he was, I stand corrected. But in yeah. general, though, he's like he committed to it so hard because that was Walter Hill's demand: is that you have to be able to do this on camera. I'm not cutting. You know, you know, yeah. you, they always do a piano where they cut away to someone's hands and then later down yeah. over. And they're like, we have to. I will say. Yeah. I, I mean, I while I oh, I only doubted it because I thought, well, that's a lot of commitment for a young person, but it didn't. It certainly didn't look fake. Yeah, I mean, and and so that was that started to make me think about the wizard because the stories are so similar. Um, yeah, and then it just turned into a whole different thing. And I have to say, I wasn't sure about Troop Beverly Hills because it's real borderline teenager, but we wiggled that room a little bit by going under thirteen. Uh -huh. um, but. I also was like, ooh, I haven't seen this since it came out. Oh my god, I had so much fun with this. I think I had more fun with it this time than I did the first time we watched it. Maybe because I was a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't really... Yeah. I, I have actually seen it multiple times. Okay. Since then, I feel like I haven't even... It's maybe maybe a couple years ago I watched it. So, it's you know, I've definitely revisited it uh more than you know since it originally came out but i think that it's pretty solid like i think that it is still really enjoyable and i i think about the fact that there was a period of time where people were very mad at shelly long for leaving cheers to go do movies based on yeah. one hit 
And that's not true. In 82, she had a hit with Night Shift. In 1984, she had irreconcilable differences with Ryan O'Neill, which was a, a, a Drew Barrymore, that which was, was a decent hit, not as big as Night Shift. And then in 87 is when she had Outrageous Fortune with Bette Midler, and then that was a massive hit. And I'm telling you now that if she hadn't left the show and then they changed the, the chemistry up with Kirstie Alley, Cheers probably would have ended within a year or two because I think it just the will they won't they whole thing was petering out and then changing it up completely really kind of reinvigorated the show. Yeah, I'm, I, it's interesting that I, I'm actually watching Cheers now. I watched, I started, you know, all uh, at the beginning because it's been a million years and I know I didn't see all of it, but also, like, I'm an adult now. When I watched when it was originally, it was kids. So we're on, I think, season five, uh, which I think, or maybe six, whatever it's from, I'm pretty sure, her last season. And it's like, I can really see, it, it's, yeah, it's really starting to bore me a little bit. Uh, because it's just you can't you can't do that forever you can't you have to you have to change the dynamic uh, so I think that you're right I think that um, it would have fallen apart or they would have had to force their hand if she hadn't right. uh, made that choice so I think that it was for the best and, and I think a lot of the reason people thought that wasn't initial. Like, it probably was like after like a year or two, they were like, wait, her movies are tanking. She made a stupid decision. What a moron. You know? And, and how, would yeah. she, how did she know? She had the guts to take the leap. To, you know, yes, all the movies after Outrageous Fortune bombed. But I remember that having... That doesn't mean they were all bad, though. No, no. I, well, I remember Hello Again. Uh, we had a fun time at the theaters watching that. Now, that, that one didn't get good reviews in, um, or box office. And then it was this. And that was kind of the end where the studios are really come a-calling. She did a few others. I think uh, she became a support in Don't Tell Her It's Me with Steve Gutenberg and Jamie Gertz. And Frozen Assets, which I heard is horrifically bad. And then it was kind of over with. But... Come on, people of our generation know how fucking great she was in those Brady Bunch movies. Oh yeah, that was definitely a lot of people only know her from that, but uh, it was a brilliant decision. She does it masterfully. Um, I think the other thing too is that you know people only wanted like oh, a lot of times with comedic actors they. The public only wants to see you one way. They don't want to let you, uh, you know, stretch yourself or try other things. Yeah, it's really hard for and, anybody to shake that loose because even the guys who you think mm -hmm. did, like Michael J. Fox, well, he really only had a few years after yeah. after um, Family Ties ended where he was still making theatrical films and then it was over with. I think it just, you know, Tom Selleck, he couldn't do it. Ted Danson couldn't yeah. do it. I just, it's very rare. I mean, you had uh, uh, Tom Hanks, but I mean, he wasn't even on that show very long. It was like two and a half seasons of Booze and Buddies. And then, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, I think it's only a small amount of time you can be on TV before people are like locked down with that image. Yeah, especially, especially in the 80s. Like, I think 
that you know now people can can go back and forth so seamlessly um, and do all kinds of different stuff and uh, it doesn't have the same kind of pressure especially if you try if people started in TV tried movies it didn't go so great and then you try to go back to TV then everybody looks at you like what an epic failure you're so sad you know yeah. and it's just not like that now she was never able to recapture that either I know she did a couple TV shows but they did just nothing happen with them and she seems like kind of one of those whatever happened to and that that's kind of a shame I was like well does it matter she had more than most people had that's what matters yeah yeah so they wanted to make her a movie star and I, I really think of all of the projects that she did this is the one that is truly honed to her talents I forgot yeah. how great she was with physical comedy she is a master of it in this movie yeah absolutely what else I'm, really, okay. I'm really impressed by um, when you look at the group of girls too look at how many of them had pretty respectable careers. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny is when you see but, movies like this, I don't know if it's a budgetary reason or what, but when they fill it with TV people, I always find interesting because it's like the studio and the director are giving those people a chance, just like they did with, um, uh, you know, with Shelley Long. It's like, you look, you got uh, Craig T. Nelson. Oh, no, 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 he hadn't done Coach yet. Never mind, erase that. Uh, Betty Thomas had just come off of um, Hill Street Blues. Mary Gross was coming off of SNL. And then you have, like, the, do you recognize the little red-haired girl? Well, there's a lot of red-haired girls. Hold on. Let me rewind that. <laughs> do you recognize the girl from My uh, Small Wonder, the next-door neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, that's fun. I was like, oh. I recognize, I recognize almost every single one of the girls. Yeah, that was great. I was like, okay, well, they're about to become a star. They were just coming off of Punky Brewster. Oh, she's going to be in Camp Cucamonga next. You know, she's going to be on Life Goes mm -hmm. On. And it's funny, is I was looking up the, the story behind all this, and that Carla Gugino was the oldest of yeah. them, but she lied and said that she was younger. And then she, I was like, she's a foot taller than everybody else. How did nobody pick this up? It's, but, but, there, but that's not uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of kids that have, like, growth burden at different times. So it's not that hard to believe. But... This was by far, like, the youngest I had ever seen her, and look how much she's done with her career. Yeah, yeah. This movie feels like it would go really well with Back to the Beach, and it, it, it kind of yeah. has the same audience and the same vibes, and it also has, it's loaded with these cameos, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Like, who's going to pop up next? Yeah, you know, um, it's so weird because... Mary Gross, she was she did so much stuff, uh, like around this time. I swear I've watched like two other things, and I'm like, it's her again. Oh my god, it's yeah. her again. It's her again. like even recently, and I'm just like, she was all over the place. Well, I didn't know until yesterday that her brother is Michael Gross from Tremors and Family Ties. Oh really? Yeah, no oh, clue. Yes, I didn't know that. And, God, he's, but, so, he's so funny in his own way, you know? Yeah, if you look at that, well, they both came from Second City. Um, oh. Except he's not necessarily known for his comedy. Um, but if you look, you can see they both have kind of the same face. Um, I, I think she's a real winner in this one, too. She really shakes off, like, the bullying of Betty Thomas, 
Who is playing it to a, the, the, the rafters? It is very big, very silly, and I loved every second of it. You know what? She reminds me of the principal in, like, um, oh, shoot, what's Rock, uh, rock and Roll High School? In the way that she acts. Wait, say that one more time. She reminds me of, like, the principal in Rock and Roll High School. Oh, okay, yes. Just, uh, like, just like, so, you know... Hardcore. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. Is the so fish? Tough. This is a, a time where we were crazy about Beverly Hills for some reason. Beverly Hills Cop, Down and Out, Beverly Hills. Uh, there was a TV show mm-hmm. called Beverly Hills Bunts, which was a spinoff of uh, Hill Street Blues. Uh, the Taking of Beverly Hills. I feel like there was a whole bunch of Beverly Hills brats. For some reason, for a decade, we were obsessed with this the city, but it was always you, the juxtaposition. It was always the people who don't belong in Beverly Hills were your protagonists. Where this one's interesting is that it kind of flips it where the rich people aren't just useless, you know, bimbos or whatever she was calling them. Um, you know, just they, they go around just spending uh, and, and, you know, just like being all fancy Nancy and having no skills. It's, it's an empowerment movie for women, but different than what you usually see. Yes. Yeah, I just, I, I thought it was really fun. Oh, did you uh, notice the animated sequence at the beginning of the movie was done by the Ren Stimpy guys? It, I, I, no, I didn't realize it, but it, it had such a, to me it felt so similar to like, um, um, what's the one with John Cusack? Uh, Better Off Dead? One Crazy. Or One Crazy Summer, yes. Better Off, yeah, those two, and like the, the sequences and the artwork, and even the music too. Yeah, like opening credits. Yeah, for like eight or nine years. I don't know who's the first one to really kick it off, but this seems like the pinnacle. Like, it's not just, like a lot of times it's real cheap animation, but they look like they put the money mm-hmm. into it, they put the time, and they hired the Beach Boys for the theme song, and Make It Big, <laughs> Make It Big is such a what good, a good song. song. What's that? <laughs> it's such a good song. Yeah, and this is that weird period where they had a minor comeback, and most of it because of movie stuff. They had that uh, Kokomo. Yes. Uh, in uh, Cocktail, which was such a massive hit. By the way, kids, if you don't know, Kokomo is not an island. It's a stupid city in Indiana. <laughs> well, that's, I, I like Kokomo, but it's just so funny. That they're like, let's go to Kokomo. Are you sure? <laughs> is there really no other place called Kokomo? There has to be, dude. No, I'm telling you right now, there is no other Kokomo. It is that. Oh, that's they, weird. I, oh, bet you, cool. I bet you they were on tour. Find they saw Googling yeah. that later. Yeah, they they uh they saw it probably when they were on tour and they thought it was a fun word to say. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, you know, I think I now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember watching a lot of those Beverly Hills movies, and I think thinking, I don't, what a foreign life they were living compared to what we knew. <laughs> yeah, which I guess makes it more fun, maybe. Oh yeah. Well, I also like, um, I really like the fact that, so when there's divorce in movies, it's usually either one or the other is they end up hating each other's guts, they want nothing to do with each other, or 
It's, they gotta do everything possible to get them back together. That'll save everything. And, you know, this one, it seems more realistic. They're both frustrated with each other. They're both not communicating, and they, they lash out, I guess, in quotation marks, in different ways. And yeah. I was just like, this seems like something you would really do if you're angry. You would go find some young girl that didn't, you know, like, completely different than your wife. And you would go off and do these things. You know, it just... And when they do kind of bring them back together, look, they embrace and they kiss, that doesn't mean their relationship is fixed. And they never say that. They just, like, give it some sort of shred of hope. Yeah. So. But I do think that, you know, while they were, like you said, frustrated with each other and, like, butt heads about stuff, they were mostly, like, still respectful to each other. Um, and there was no... They didn't create... A dynamic where one was a villain, which I re- I appreciate. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a really well made film, and I was kind of disappointed because the company that did this, um, mm-hmm. you know, they did uh, only like five or six movies. They did My Stepmother is an Alien, uh, Listen to Me, if you remember that one with Kirk Cameron. Um, they only did like, they only did like four or five movies, and they were just none were hits. They were pretty expensive for what they were, and. They were out, and it's so funny because Weintraub is known for all that, you know, all the Karate Kid movies and stuff like that. I mean, he was making movies all the way back to Ocean's Eleven, and for him to go, yay, I can do it on my own, ah, shit, like almost immediately within a year, it's done and over with. That's sad. I like all those movies. I mean, mostly what the ones we've talked about, at least I've seen all of them. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I just wish that they had more chances at, uh, well... There's a lot of independent companies that popped up around this time that at least they got a shot. I, I should say that. I mean, it's it's better to make five movies and then disappear than make no movies at all. Or to you know make them the way you want to make them. You know. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to say about this movie? I mean, it's great cast, really funny, uh, great animation, great comedy sequences. I just still can't believe the critics didn't like this. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't honestly get what their um, issue would be with it because there's so many, so many quality jokes. There's so much. Yeah, like it's it's funny dialogue, but it's also you're right. So much physical humor. I love how you know the the the, the message is so good. It's just like she was just so positive about things and was just like, you know what? Like, I have this obstacle. Well, let's pivot. Let's think of something else. Let's do it our way. Let's, you know, don't let people deter you from your goals. Um, and she honestly was, I think, a really good role model to those kids. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she was a little bit of a hot mess at times, but her perspective about, you know, what she valued definitely changed but she still didn't have to become a whole different person to achieve her goals which i think is a really good message yeah well i also like the end is where the 80s were obsessed this whole reagan era was about destroying your enemy uh in one way or another it's always about being number one and conquering and that wasn't important in the at the end of this movie it was like we don't have to win We, we just have to do the right thing and yes, they do eventually win, but it's just because of a weird proxy. Um, 
Oh wait, no, no, no. That was the, earlier in the movie with the skunk thing. That was earlier. Sorry, but you know, the, the, she and they were and they treated him honestly. You can see the kids like struggling with that. Like, nah, we don't want to deal with this horrible human being. Let's go win. And that's not the right thing to do. I really like that um, idea being pushed forward. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that you you make that point. Is that there was so many movies that were uh, like the main agenda was a competitive nature, and to the point of not just competition, but like you must win at all costs. Yeah, I mean it's not just that, but like eighty four Olympics had just come through, and we're all so rah rah American number one. I mean, it just I think that concept was just set in our head for a while. It's still in somebody's head, you know, that they have to be number one no matter what, even if it's right or or even if it's wrong. And um, right. th- this kind of flies in the face of that. Yeah, but it's like, you know, uh, about community and looking after each other. And, you know, some of those kids had some garbage parents or, or questionable uh, priorities, but they became a family for each other. And I think, you know... It, it is an interesting viewpoint to, for lack of better descriptors, humanize the rich. You know, yeah, yeah. we have problems too. We all have problems. We all struggle with things. You know, money does not solve all your problems. Yeah. So thank you, great comedy, for pushing forth some really great lessons. Oh, I forgot. They also did She's Out of Control. I forgot. That was another one they did. Yeah, it just seemed like they had it's these really... not a great movie, but I like that too. Huh, that's interesting. I just realized most of those movies are geared towards... Well, they have female protagonists. Uh-huh. Look, My Stepmother's Alien, Dan Aykroyd's number one on that call sheet, but it is not a male movie at all. It, it, he happens to be part of it, but that is, it's it's a story from two different protagonists. Female protagonists, I should say. Um, and yeah, it's, it's She's Out of Control. We discussed that like a, a year or two ago. And yeah, Tony Danza is like, again, yeah, number one on the call sheet, but it's a lot about her journey. Well, yeah, and it's like the, the like, his his girlfriend, you know, had definitely had an important part to play in that too. You know, yeah. it wasn't. He's sort of like the vehicle that made it possible to tell the story. Yeah. The, Sometimes uh... these big names are needed to make it happen. And I will just say, uh, we you we're using the you know connection of Jenny Lewis in, in both these films to. To, to make our theme, but I think she's great. Uh, I think she, if this was her first film, I don't know what she did before that, probably a little bit of TV, but I don't know. But what a natural. Oh, absolutely. Every, you know? Well, and, and almost I all mean, these girls are naturals. That I don't feel like most of them are acting, like, you know, that kid acting that I can't stand. And I'm going to say this, I know he got better with time, but Fred Savage in the beginning was acting and then he got better but the wizard is not uh, a real showcase for his talents but holy shit jenny almost steals that movie from him that's the thing is like yeah that's like, i mean this i think that wizard really is like to, to me it's more of an ensemble piece um where everybody has you know an important part to play but it's hard to say who is the star of this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, Luke, Luke Edwards is basically your protagonist. The other ones are just trying to get him there. 
Um, it's just because Luke doesn't have much dialogue that he doesn't get to be in the forefront. But he's still given a very good performance. Oh, absolutely. And I know you... that this is seen as a commercial for Nintendo, and I'm sure that's how it got made. But at the same time, take away all of that. It could be any competition, and it's still a good road trip movie. Personally, can't decide if, which team I, you know, love more. Do I love Christian Slater and Bo Bridges? <laughs> they're like continuing conflict, or do I love the kids? But it's so interesting. There's so many like, um, well, it's so the family dynamic and the, the even the, the explanation of their family is really kind of messy and confusing and. Um, and I don't really mean that in a bad way, but you know, family is messy, um, and the uh, the concept of what makes a family—it's sort of the same thing as True Beverly Hills. Interesting, um, you know. A lot of times, you, your family is what you make it. You know, it's a lot about um, your chosen family, or you know, how you choose to love people. Who cares if they're half brothers or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it reflects more of what was going on with real America. Like, families weren't the perfect nuclear family. Yeah. You know, all these TV shows basically were portraying, um, you know, the ideal of what a family was supposed to be. But I think this there was something in the air by the end of the 80s that people were tired of that mentality. I mean, look, uh, The Roseanne Show was about, it was, it was taken back to the 70s where it was blue-collar people struggling again. Instead of living yeah. in mansions and everybody was like a doctor or something like that, you know? Um, and then movies started reflecting that. And the fact that it is a broken family. What I forget. What was Jenny Lewis's reason for being on the road by herself? I cannot remember. I don't know. Her dad was like a truck driver. And sometimes she would travel with him. But he, would, he, sent her, he was sending her back home. Uh, I don't remember to go, she needed to go back to school or, okay. uh, he just didn't want her to spend her whole life on the road. I don't really, it was a little loosey goosey there. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that some of the stuff in this movie that I, I will remember forever, cause we watched this a bunch, I feel like when it came out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I remember like, there's a, there's a part where they're in a little, I think it's a pizza shop. And they're talking to these old people, these two old dudes or whatever, and like, this kid can beat you. And the old guy goes, oh, go on. <laughs> and whenever I say go on, I want to say it just like him. I'm like, oh, you kids are full of shit. <laughs> I think that the, con the concept that they even found two old men, who older dudes who were obsessed with the game, to try to uh, hustle is just remarkably funny to me. Well, in, in, in and of itself. Yeah, well, I, I don't really remember this era in the arcades but i thought that the whole thing was in 84 or 83 84 is when arcades collapsed the whole video game industry collapsed and then three years later nintendo started to save it but that was for home consoles nintendo games weren't really that well known in arcades they had them but i don't recall anybody being like yeah you gotta play this so you know i was like well you got it at home why would you play double dragon in the arcade i feel like it was other games that were popular that you know the ones that were too graphic or the the the, the 
the details in the uh, uh, imagery was too strong to handle for a home console. Um, so it's just kind of funny. It's like, yeah, we'll just do this right here. Like, I don't think that was played. <laughs> to be fair. To be uh, fair. To be fair. Um, I mean, I don't think that I had tons of exposure to like, you know, arcades and shit when I was younger. Yeah. I don't know. I remember we had one across from Brentwood Elementary when we were kids. And uh, that only lasted a little while. It always feel like every time an arcade would come into town, they were shut down almost immediately because of like hooligans. And they're smoking weed, and teenagers are destroying the place. <laughs> Except for the ones in the mall. The malls always seem to have them. Um. Did we just derail? What? <laughs> I, no, I was just I was just trying to think of my first or like my next statement. How's come that one guy is always like a bad guy? Can I the think one is who it was like the husband? The oh, new, her her new husband or whatever. Sam, I want to say Sam McMurray. I think is his name. Sometimes he is yeah. a bad guy, but I've seen him in stuff where he's a good guy, and he's usually like the dopey partner. You know, he's like a police officer, or whatever, like in Stone Cold. Um, huh. and he just has wasn't that. Wasn't he the dad? Um, the dad on um, Freaks and Geeks. He was like yes, uh, Neil's dad. Neil's dad. Yeah, I think I can't ever get forgive him for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm. Oh yeah, thought for oh yeah, the throwing of the uh, garage door opener. Um, uh, a lot of people probably know him from the Tracy Allman show that he was on for four or five years. He was one of the main oh. cast members. Um, he's just one of those guys. He looks like a, a pencil head, you know, like that kind of just douchebag, uh, uh, wannabe Wall Street kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like he wants to be yeah, rich and powerful, yeah. but he just owns like the used car dealership in town and thinks he's the big shit. Yeah. Sorry, your face has just ruined your career. <laughs> well, not ruined, but um, you know, people get typecast. It happens. The uh, the douchebags. From the fucking power glove moment in the movie. I am fascinated by the kids that are around him that can't really act and they can't really have any dialogue because you would have to pay them. And you just kind of watch them, whatever. Is they, you know how extras sometimes want to be overly emotive, you know, to get noticed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I watch them. Yes. I, I know it's not Did him. Notice... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I... Did you notice Toby Maguire? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. I forgot about that. I see. I had to go off memory on this one. I watched it last year, and I just decided to be lazy and just go off memory. I've seen it so many times. But also, one of those one of those kids looks like just like the other kid, Josh or whatever his name was on Wonder Years. You know, his his best friend. Oh sure. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yes. I, I kept looking. I was like, mm, is that uh, no? <laughs> um, for anybody who's actually used the power glove, when he says the power glove, it's so bad. Well, the reality is it wasn't bad. It was bad. It was shit. It, nobody played that game right. None of those Nintendo peripherals worked right at all. was such a cool idea. It was a cool idea. Do you remember the pad, the track and field pad that no one ever actually ran on because they were too tired, so they would get on the floor and start slamming the buttons with their hands? No? I don't think so. Okay, you're probably too young for that Apparently one. Apparently I have selective memory, sorry. <laughs> um... 
I always thought it was funny is we had Nintendo systems, but we could never afford the game, so we never really played it that much. Right. Exactly. <laughs> One day at the video store is not enough to play the game by any means whatsoever. You know, it's like, oh, it was just a taste test. Great. The, um... Oh. Go ahead. I definitely enjoyed the parts of the movie that were, like, filmed at the Universal Studios lot. Yeah. Well, and... and I thought that was kind of fun. Another one this could pair well with is Pee-wee's Big Adventure, because I feel like there's two or three locations they share. Like, especially that dinosaur yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. Um... This is the end of Fred Savage's career, which is interesting because this was supposed to be the big deal. This is the one that was supposed to make him a movie star. He had um, Vice Versa the year before that, and then he had Little Monsters right before this one, and just none of them connected. And his career was over with. It's so strange because at that moment, you thought he was going to be an A-lister. I mean, I think he even hosted well, SNL. his acting career. What's that? His acting career. He's gone on to do plenty of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he still acts occasionally, but he's a director. No, but I thought that they were going to make him a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think when you were 12 that you knew this movie bombed because you're just like, this is the greatest thing ever! Well, he did a lot of Sunny, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's done an enormous amount of television. It's so funny, if you look, this is really the point where Christian Slater is on his way to becoming the coolest dude ever. Uh, He does (laughs) Heathers, he does Gleaming the Cube, and The Wizard. Now, to teenagers, those are are striking, right in the bullseye of things that are really cool to kids in middle school and high school. But the rest of the world didn't see these movies. I mean, they were not hits, but you're talking about a movie about skateboarding just as skateboarding is hitting its nadir. you got Heathers, which is like this, oh man, this is so cool. This feels like a movie that cooler kids would watch. You know, the older ones would watch. Mm -hmm. Um, And then The Wizard. Come on, Nintendo was never hotter than it was at this point. Um... And it's just so funny because the reality was, yeah, Christian Slater's an up-and-comer, but he's not a star yet. And I don't think he really ever did get his moment. He was in big movies, but he was never the star. Yeah, he was Yeah, he was involved with a lot of stuff. And maybe the, the closest he got was like... True Romance and, like, Interview Vampire? I'm not really sure. Well, True Romance was a bomb. It didn't make any money. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that it was... I mean, that's the thing with my, like, little mind, is, like, I just watch what I like, but watch. I liked what I like. We watched everything. Yeah. And we didn't really care what other people thought, so I had no idea what is considered a hit and what's yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, Cuffs was a bomb, Pump of the Dawn. What going to see that movie at the movie theater? What movie? <laughs> Uh, no, we didn't. I was going to go see it with my Are youth pastor. Are you pastor. sure? We did not. We saw it at home because I had a choice of seeing True Romance or Demolition Man. I couldn't convince my youth pastor to take me to True Romance. <laughs> so we went to Demolition Man instead and I saw it on video. Surprised you didn't try to convince your mother. Well, that was kind of... It was before Paul Fiction, before she realized how cool Quentin Tarantino's writing was. 
to be fair, we should not have, you know. Yeah. But um, just do that at the theater either. <laughs> yeah, because he had Young Guns too, but he's a part of that. He's not the star. He had a Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Again, Justice Support, uh, Interview with a Vampire, Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow is probably the closest thing you could say where he's the star of a hit movie because he is the co-lead um, and he is the protagonist. Uh, but it's really John Travolta's show. He's the one that got it made. Mm-hmm. He's the one that uh, the studio was like, okay, we'll put $50 million into this. Really, it's Untamed Heart and Bed of Roses. Of all things, were his only real hits. That's bizarre. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think I saw both of those in the movie theater. I'm pretty sure you did. I went and saw Loaded Weapon while you saw um, Untamed Heart. I was like, I'm not watching that. I'm going to go see this silly movie. <laughs> but I saw that in the movie theater too, didn't I? No, we went and saw Army of Darkness and together. Just... And then we went in different directions. I think you saw Loaded uh... Weapon later. I think you saw Loaded Weapon with uh, one of our friends. Uh, who, the one who keeps saying... Invi- oh, speaking of... Oh, Wilderness Girls! Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god. I almost forgot about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I thought Wilderness Girls were a real thing. So is the joke in Loaded Weapon 1 with Tim Curry coming up to the the little thing or whatever and goes, Wilderness Girls is based solely on Troop Beverly Hills? Seriously? Oh my goodness, maybe. Yeah, which is a punchline wow. between one of uh, one of our childhood friends that we would say constantly. Yeah. <laughs> He would say it all the time. Yeah, I looked yeah, it up. I don't know. No, I, I looked think it up. Maybe I'm gonna put that together somehow. Yeah, I looked them up. They're not a real group, um, so I was so confounded. I really thought they were like a West Coast thing, and nope. Hmm. The uh, well, so, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Luke Edwards is a kid who kind of popped up here and there. He did a few movies. I think his biggest thing was probably like uh, Little Big League. Which is pretty good, actually. It's uh, it, but I think it got overshadowed by Rookie of the Year and Jeepers yeah. Creepers Two. He's one of the good guys fighting the monster yeah. with his dad. That's about it. He only acted here and there. It just seems like the kind of thing he wasn't really you know, interested in. It was super weird because like that was when he was you know kind of an older teen, and you I was like all confused. Yeah, it didn't look so like I saw it. We, that remember, transition. Yeah, I remember we saw the name, and then we saw the face. And we're like, that's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Jenny Lewis, um, real quick, um, how do you know how? I mean, she just gave up on acting and then went straight into her band. How did that go? Do you know the story behind Rilo Killy? Or is that the name of the band? Kylo Really? What is it called? I don't. Rilo Killy, but I don't know if that's how you actually pronounce it. Oh, okay. I'm not really sure how exactly that all transpired. She. Uh, you know, one of the other people in that band is also an actor. Yeah, well, that, uh, that's the first time I noticed them because we were watching it on MTV or something. And then I saw, oh, I was like, wait, okay. that's the kid from Salute Your Shorts. What the? F-? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, she started that, they started that band in like 99. So it was definitely like while she was still acting. But I don't really know the last, I mean, Pleasantville, she was in Pleasantville. I don't remember uh, her in that at all, wow. But that's, the last movie she was in is a movie that I don't think anyone has ever actually seen. For whatever reason, it seems like there's some kind of air of mystery surrounding it, that's Don's plume or something, where it's like, 
Uh, Tobey Maguire. Oh, yeah, the legendary throw it away movie. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like a dozen of those movies that are just lost to time for whatever reason. So that seems to be. I don't know if why exactly she decided to not act anymore. Uh, she's a. That's weird. She's listed as the assistant director for the the Disney animated film. Huh. <laughs> but I will say, y'all don't be sad that she stopped acting, although I do really think that she was very talented, but she is just as talented or more as a musician. She's incredible. Yeah, you were you were a big fan of I heard them here and there because you would listen to them, but I never really got into that music younger because you know I was always about the adrenaline kind of punk stuff. I should give them a shot yes, now. Yes, you always you would always you always said that I listened to like music that made you tired. Yeah, is that what I said? <laughs> Yours is just more sophisticated. Like, Mine was more like instant gut to the or punch to the gut or whatever kind of music. Yeah. Well, I've always really been into singer-songwriters. Like, the, the way they write the songs, the lyrics, what they say matters to me. So, and we just, yeah, I think we always just appreciated really different kinds of music. Uh, but she is, a, a, in my opinion, which means nothing, I think she's a brilliant songwriter and um, an amazing, you know, she plays lots of instruments, she sings, she writes songs. So I did see her... Uh, not that long ago, when um, for the postal service. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was just um, recently, wasn't it? What's that? That was just recently because she helped on that yeah. album, I think, if if I remember correctly. She's she's a member of the band. Oh, service, okay. But, All right. but they only had one album. Yeah. Um, you just she's not the forefront of the band, you know, where uh, she does more of the. Um, background vocals and playing of the the guitar and gotcha. stuff as opposed to yeah it's funny is there's so, a whole circle of independent bands that seem like they're intentionally short run and they're always kind of intermixing members and they'll, they'll do an album here then like eight years later they'll do another album while they, they work with mm-hmm. their other you know it's like it's kind of like this weird community um, that's in that world it feels like you know the uh uh, what is the guy that's the lead singer? Uh, the one from Death Cab for Cutie is the lead singer of Postal Service, right? Right, correct. Like, th- that just seems like a whole world, like Sub Pop, Bar Suck Records, or whatever you want to call them, um, Pacific Northwest kind of thing, that they're just a big community of musicians that all kind of work together. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because really, like, Postal Service did one album. It's a great album. That's all they ever did. And so instead, so they just do... Like, so I saw them, it was Postal Service and Death Care for Cutie, so that guy was like, you know... No <laughs> rest. He's very, he was on for many, many hours, uh, but it was like, it, it was just, they did their whole album from beginning to end. Okay. Because I was and that's all it was, and that's what they did for uh, for the Death Care for Cutie, where they did a, the whole album from beginning to end, because it was like a... a a reunion tour for those albums specifically. Gotcha. Uh, to bring anyway, it, it's yeah. very interesting. She's a very talented person. To uh, bring it back to the movie just for one more moment, um, I yeah, the whole Universal Studios thing was absolutely fascinating to us. And I think I remember correctly yeah. on the VHS, they were trying to promote heavily 
come to Universal Studios. I think you could even enter a contest to win to go visit it. And, um, well, for the longest time, all they had after the Universal Studios movies on the VHS tapes was a single little panel that said, come and visit Universal Studios Los Angeles or whatever. And then all of a sudden they started having these commercials before the movie. Remember, they would show like the King Kong and stuff like that. They would show you like you were on the ride going through uh, the park or whatever, really heavily promoting it. And it seemed like they were trying yeah. to invest it in instead of just being a studio tour, it was also like an entertainment place. Because they had like the Conan thing in the water world and you could, you know, ride on right past Jaws and you know, come out of the water, you could go see the psycho house, stuff like that. Oh yeah. And this was I mean, I've yes, been there many times. Yeah, I mean again, this is really a long commercial, but it fucking works. It works better than yeah. Mac and me, that's for damn sure. <laughs> The reveal of Super Mario Brothers 3 for us wasn't that shocking because we didn't see this in theaters, we saw it on video, and by that point the game had been out for a few months. But it, I've heard that this was the big reveal to the world. Nobody had seen a single shred of footage. Nobody had talked about it. Nobody had even revealed that they were even making it. And all of a sudden, you get to the end of the movie, and there's a Super Mario Brothers 3, and it's a whole new design to the platform and whatever. And that again, that's another commercial for an upcoming game, but it was also done in a clever way. Because it really showed that he was a master. Like, he had that thing. Um, that he could uh, lock onto any video game and play well because it did not exist until that moment to play. So he didn't know any of the levels. Yeah, there's there's a few parts in there where the two of them, like Charles Savage and Jenny Lewis, are like shouting to him like suggestions. Yeah, how would they know? Really? But there, there are things that nobody could possibly know. Yeah. Um, really, that, but. Let it, let it go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Mindy. And I'll just, I just want to, like, just wrap it all up by saying, listen, these are great movies. They still hold up in entertainment. I watch them. Yeah. We aren't, we are not the kind of people that are blinded by nostalgia. It's never really been a thing. I mean, I remember, like, even as... Like, early 20s watching stuff and cringing at some things. Like, ooh, that didn't work out so well. Some people are truly, truly drunk on nostalgia. And we like to separate ourselves from that. But we're also not the kind of people who shit on things that have aged poorly. We like to separate. There's still good stuff mixed in with the bad. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to pretend like it's not there. But it doesn't necessarily ruin the whole experience. But also, we ain't going to judge you. We don't care. Yeah. Like what you like. Yeah. I mean, I love some truly terrible movies, but am I entertained by them? Fuck yes. And that's all that really matters to me. <laughs> Indeed. All right. And with that, let's say goodbye. Goodbye.